Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're going to jump into this word. This is a series we've been in uh, on relationships. And uh, so we are going to conclude that series today and uh, called Real Talk. And we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to use one verse today. And uh, that's all we're going to need. That's all we got time for. We're, we still got a little overflow from the weekend. So all we need is one. And uh, that's, that's where we're going to go today. 2 Samuel 11. Uh, we'll read the verse here in a second. But this is important to know that in 2 Samuel chapter 10, uh, David, King David, he's the king now. We talked about him last night at a conference uh, when he was not king yet. Now he's king, 2 Samuel chapter 10. Not only is he king, but he's a conquering king. He's taking care of business, like he always has. He's taking care of business. And so David, as, as he's, he's taking care of business in, in chapter 10, he wins a massive battle, a huge victory for the people of Israel. So chapter 11 is right after he has seen massive victory in his own life. So he's seen victory in the kingdom. He's seen victory in his life. And then we roll into 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It says, in the spring... The springtime, at the time when kings go off to war. Question, was David a king? Very good. Kings go to war. David sent someone else. With the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and they besieged Rabbah. But David, the king, remained in Jerusalem. I want, I want to talk, and I want to use this story as a backdrop for talking about relationships as we conclude this series, maybe with some elements uh, that, that might be challenging in some areas, or what I'm really praying for, provoking. Not provoking in a bad way, but provoking something that's deep down inside of you to come to the surface and to really be able to step into a new level of relationship that possibly you've never had before. To understand 2 Samuel chapter 11, you got to understand David. To understand David, you got to go all the way back to when he was a child. Scholars believe that when David was 13, 14, 15 years old is when he was in the fields taking care of his father's sheep. He was a shepherd, and he was early on in his life. He was young, and he's out there taking care of the sheep. Scholars tell us that he was probably about 15 years old when he killed Goliath. I mean, we think about, when we think about David and Goliath, we think about David just bad to the bone. David walking up, ripped out of his mind, slinging that rock around. That was not David. David was like, his voice was cracking, acne on his face, kind of like wanders out, like, am I supposed to be here? And, and I mean, the, the David, da, David was just finding himself. But the thing that David always had is really what defined David all throughout his life. David was a warrior. His function was that he was a warrior. He was a man of war. He was brave. I mean, we know this because the Bible says that one time he's watching the sheep, and this is when he must have been super young, probably 13, 14 years old, and a lion comes out of the woods and comes to attack the sheep. I'll tell you what I would have done. I would have been running super fast and knocking down whoever was close to me to make sure they were the first appetizer. I mean, I'd like, I'm going to give myself, all you got to do is beat one person. You know that, right? It's like, I'd be tripping sheep on the way. It's like, man, well, you're going to be, you're going to be a buffet. I'm going to be gone. But, but David, 13 year old David tears the lion apart. 
He kills a lion. If that was just it, we'd like to say, okay, you know, it's an anomaly. But the Bible says that a bear came on another guy. A bear, not like a little cub. All right, we're talking like a bear came out of the woods. And it says, and David tore that thing up. It's modern vernacular. Okay, um, he killed it. And so David all along has been a warrior. He was a shepherd. That was his title, but his function was a, was a warrior. And this is super important to understand is that you don't get titles without function. Function comes before title. This is, this is massive to, to comprehend because a lot of people, they, they, they want the title before they actually function. So I've had people tell me, man, I wish you would hire me at the church, Pastor. Man, if I was hired, I could really do some serious ministry. And I'm like, you should do some serious ministry. And then maybe we can hire you. Because function should come before title. We don't give you a title and all of a sudden now you begin to function. Boy, pastor, if I was a pastor, oh boy, I'd be reading my Bible and praying all the time. If you're not reading Bible and praying right now, you're not going to be reading your Bible and praying when you get a title. The title is a byproduct of the function. So David was a warrior. They said he was a shepherd because he had to work with the sheep, but David had always been a warrior, even when he became king. When he was king, he, he was a king, but he was first warrior. The king was the title, but he got that title because of the function of a warrior. So David, even at a young age, was taking care of business. David was not afraid of too many things. The Bible says when he walked upon his brothers, when they were taking care, when, when they were facing Goliath, they're all scared. They're huddled around talking about it. And David's like, who's going to fight this dude? Can you imagine you're like 25 years old, just seasoned warrior, been trained in art, and old squeaky voice, acne face, David walks up. Who's going to fight that guy? You're like, shut up, David. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're going to fight that guy. He's like, no, I'm serious. I'll do to him like I did to the, to the lion. And because his function, what was really in him was a warrior. He, he was a fighter. This is part of what we talked about at the marriage conference last night. Is there has to be something in us that fights. You cannot make it through this life without having some type of fight. You cannot have a good marriage or a good family or walk in faith if you are not willing to fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. You don't get to lean back in the easy chair of faith. I wish you could, but this thing, it's a fight. The world that we're in, the culture that we're in, this is a fight. And David, from a young age, operated in this fight, David was a warrior. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we find this, is, is that David, when the other kings went off to war, David, he, he, he stayed at home. Now, he'd never stayed at home before because the other times, he was always on the front lines of the battle. This is how he got his reputation. This was his function. But now that he got his title, he began to neglect his function. He began to neglect the thing that got him the title once he got the title because now he's, now he's king. And so he sent someone else to fight the battle that he should have been engaged in. And the moment that he stopped engaging in the battle that he should fight in, the Bible tells us the rest of chapter 11, which is David was asleep. He was sleeping in. And he woke up late. 
Any, anybody like, like to sleep like way in? You know, like, like I, I, I'm not going to admit it either. And, and, and David slipped way in. And he got up, and the Bible says that he walked out on his balcony, his kingdom. And he started just like overlooking the city. And he saw a lady by the name of Bathsheba. You ever heard this story? Oh, we like to talk about this. Oh, David, you dirty dog up there on the roof, peeping Tom. Look at him, looking at all the girls bathing. Then we talk about Bathsheba. Oh, Bathsheba, she was terrible. Oh, she was awful up there bathing on the roof. My gosh. That's where their baths were. You know, it's like, wasn't. It wasn't like today, like they didn't have running water. They had to collect what they had. It was really common for people to bathe on the roof. And David, yeah, he made some bad decisions. But th this is what I want to draw your attention to. I don't know if it was so much that David was looking or that Bathsheba was bathing. I just think that it was David was somewhere that he should have never been because he was a king. And the kings were at war. And whenever you step outside of purpose, you open your life up to compromise that you would never ordinarily step into. Purpose is what will propel you into your future, into your destiny, into the assignment that God has for you. But when David got outside of purpose... He got himself in some trouble. The, the story goes on that, that David not only saw Bathsheba, and hi, buddy. That's my son right there waving to me in the front row. You got it. You got it. I'm talking about lions and bears. He's connected today. <laughs> the story goes on that, that David not only saw Bathsheba, but he sent for Bathsheba. And when he sent for Bathsheba, he didn't just send for her to have some coffee together. They, you know, they... They turned on Netflix, and they chilled out for real. And Bathsheba got pregnant. It's probably only the millennials are understanding what happened. Okay, so they, they, did, they, they did something together as a man and a woman that pro produced pregnancy in the woman, okay? Everyone on the same page now. And, and so, so she gets pregnant. Well, David tried to cover his tracks. And in order to try to cover his tracks, he called for Bathsheba's husband because Bathsheba was married. So he calls for Bathsheba's husband. He says, come back from the battle that I sent you into because I didn't go. I want you to come back and I want you to relax. Just go spend a night at home. You've been out there fighting that battle. But Uriah knew he was a warrior and knew that he should not be relaxing when other people were fighting. So the Bible says he slept outside the gate and refused to go home. So David's plan failed because he was hoping that Uriah and Bathsheba would check out Netflix for a little bit, and then he could blame the baby that was in her on Uriah and not on him. But when his plan failed, the Bible says he sent Uriah back into battle. He told the, uh, the commander of the army to pull back the troops and to leave Uriah exposed so that he would be struck down and killed. So this is King David, a liar, an adulterer, and a murderer. And then the Bible says this. Says David, a man after God's own heart. Is that conflicting to anybody else? I know we're all super spiritual. We know the Christianese. And so we're like, that's right. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a murderer. He was adulterer. He lied. And he's king. But he's a man after God's own heart. Have you ever faced the conflict 
of what God's called you to be and what you're operating as. There is a conflict within every person with what God's called you to be and then what you actually do. And I want to talk to you about relationships out of this context because I think this is crucial to our development in who we are as people and who we are in accomplishing what God has put in our hearts to accomplish. Your relationships, hear me on this, your relationships are connected to your purpose. This is true because when you follow purpose, you will find people. When you run after the things that God has for you, you will find the people that God has for you. When you run after the things that God has for you, instead of looking for the people, you look for the purpose. And when you find the purpose, God will connect you with people that will help you get to where you need to go. Everything in the kingdom of God is connected to relationship. There are no Rambos. There are no Lone Rangers. There is no one that does it alone. We all need each other. That's why we need to be in community. That's why we need to rely on people. That's why we need to invest in friendships and relate. We need it. Well, I'm just not really an extrovert, Pastor. You don't have to be an extrovert to have a friend, sir. You, you can keep that excuse as long as you want, but at some point, you're going to go through some storm that nobody can stand up on their own, and you're going to need somebody to stand with you. And if you've never invested in people, you will stand there by yourself. But God says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and if you could follow purpose, God would connect you with people and connect you. With the right people. David had always followed purpose. You can watch the roadmap of David's life. He had always followed purpose. This is the first time in his journey that we know of where he chose not to be a part of the thing that he should have been a part of. And it says when the kings went off to war, as they always did, David stayed at home. So I propose to you this. That it wasn't so much David's wandering eyes. Or Bathsheba's brazen bathing. It was that David was home when he was supposed to be at war. That's, that's it. That's it. David stayed home when he should have been chasing purpose. David stayed home when he should have been running after his assignment. What's my assignment, you ask? What, what's, what's my purpose? How do you define purpose? I'm not talking about if you work a secular job or you work at a church or you work at a ministry or a nonprofit. I'm talking about your call as a man of God or a woman of God. Your call as a Christian. Every person in this room is a minister. Every person in this room is called by God to do something for God. And when God looks at you, he sees an assignment that he's given to you. And you can work a secular job and have a great ministry because what God's put in you is to reach the people around you. That's how God works. God works through the currency of people. He works through relationship. He works through purpose. And that purpose is always connected to people. And it always takes more than one person to accomplish God's purpose. Purpose. Your relationships are connected to your purpose. If you find your purpose, you will find people. Your greatest relationships will be tied to your purpose. Another thing is interesting is relationships are connected to purpose, but your purpose is connected to your identity. Your purpose, what God's called you to do, is connected to your identity, actually who you are. 
When God laid his purpose on your life, he did not just pick out a purpose out of the closet of heaven and say, this one's for you, and this one's for you, and it just was random. It was selected by God. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I that word know in the Hebrew means I knit you together, like a weaver would weave a basket or a, or, or a seamstress would sew a blanket. I pulled it together, string by string, item by item, part by part. I designed it to come together. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you. So when he pulled out purpose out of heaven and put it on you, it connected with what he had already put in you. See, some of us think, oh, that purpose, I could never accomplish that. Because what you're seeing through is the lens of your own ability. Or you're seeing through the lens of your past mistakes. And either one of those will rob you from the identity that God has for you because it's so important that when you look at purpose and you look at you, you understand that God put in me something to accomplish that. So I can never be intimidated of purpose because my identity, in my identity, I need to know that God put in me whatever I need to accomplish that. Purpose is what God sees for you. Identity is what you see in you. What do you see in you? You know it's really hard to accomplish purpose if you don't see that you have anything to give. It is super hard to see yourself doing great things for God if when you look at you, all you see is mistakes or all you see is failures or all you see is unmet desires or unmet expectations. All you see is what you've been through. All you see is your past. When you look at yourself, what do you see? I see believers riddled with insecurity and we're breaking relationships because of our own insecurity. We're smothering spouses because of our own insecurity. We are killing our children's relationship with friends and with God because of our own insecurity. That insecurity is a result of seeing what we have naturally and failing to see what God sees supernaturally. You know what David's like this little shepherd boy out there? God was not like looking at him like, how's this little guy going to do what I called him to do? I mean, look at him. Look at Davey down there playing that harp. Oh, wrong chord. David, how is that guy going to do this? When he looked at David, all he saw was a king. That's who he saw. Well, he's, he's a shepherd. He's 13. Come on now. Let's not get ahead of yourself. No, God does not see the past version of you or even the present version of you. He sees what he put in you. He sees what, The Bible says the callings and the giftings of God are irrevocable. Well, you don't know my past, Pastor. God knows your past, and he looks right by your past, and he looks at your heart. And if David did what he did, and God said, he's a man after my own heart, how much do you think God could look past everything you've done and see who you are and what you are and say, I still put it in you, deep down inside of you. It's still there, layered on years of hurt, layered on years of pain, layered on years of failures. It's still there. Your purpose is connected to your identity. Whenever there is a disconnect between what God sees for you and what you see in you, it results in an identity crisis. And we have too many people that are believers that are having an identity crisis. We're trying to be someone or be something. And it is killing our relationships because we don't know who we are. I see this in romantic relationships all of the time is that people hurt 
the people that they love, not because the people that they love are doing anything, but because when they look inside of them, they don't like what they see. And because of the identity crisis, the insecurity leaps out of them and strangles someone else. Because insecurity will kill you. You can't operate in everything that God has for you to operate. You can't be the friend that you need to be. You cannot be the husband or the wife that you need to be. You cannot be the dad or you cannot be the mom that you need to be if you are riddled with insecurity. Deep in your heart, God put in you everything you need. Your greatest task in life is to find it. And when my identity connects with God's purpose, it results in kingdom change. If each and every one of us, our identity, connected with God's purpose. See, that's the question in life. And many of us get really frustrated because it's like purpose. Like, what is that? We use those words in the church so flippantly. And, and, and what does it mean? Like, what's, what's purpose? What's destiny? And what's assignment? And are they the same thing? Because you might hear them about four times every Sunday in different contexts. So what am I trying to do? The Bible says this. If you commit your way to God, he will direct your steps. Your steps. So the only thing that I need is today. The only thing I need is my next step. The only thing I need to do is make sure my trajectory is moving in the right direction. I might not get to everything I want to get to right now, but I don't need to worry about 2020 or 2021. Right now, I need to worry about 2018. And if I can be everything God's called me to be in 2018, then I think he's going to set me up for 2019 and 2020. The Bible says don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. you got to focus in on today and make today a win and make today make today purposeful David's problem is that he looked outside to try to fill something inside the purpose that was filling him all along was great as long as he had it but as soon as he stayed home from something that he should have stayed in he said the Bible says he went to the balcony and he began to look you know the worst the worst time to find a friend a boyfriend a girlfriend is when you're lonely it's the worst time. Rebounds. Can we say that on Sunday morning? Like, like the, worst, the worst time to make an emotional decision is when you're going through a bad time. And David is there. He slept in. Everyone's at war. He gets up on the roof and he starts to look. And when you start looking outside of purpose to find people to be connected to, you will always connect to the wrong people. And if you run with the wrong people, doesn't matter how old or how young you are, if you run with the wrong people, you will do the wrong things. You will always sell yourself short of purpose if you're always connected with people that don't have the same values as you do. That's why if you get your people from running after purpose, then the people that you connect with will help you in your purpose. But if you get your people from the balcony of loneliness as you look to try to find someone that will meet the need in you and you have not had the God in your life meet the needs that you need to have met, you will look outside of you and you will attach yourself to people that is unfair to them and it's not right for you because the relationship that you're looking for them to fill is a relationship need that only God can fill. Your identity is connected to your God. 
Your, your relationships are connected to your purpose. Your purpose is connected to your identity. Your identity is connected to your, and let me say it this way, your little G God. Not God, but whatever God you're looking to. Whatever God you really respect. Well, pastor, I serve the one and only true God. We, we know we say that and we sing it. But this, idolatry is not a statue or an idol that we bow down to. Idolatry is anything of priority getting above the priority that is God. So that means your job can be an idol. That means your spouse can be an idol. That means money can be an idol. That means your car can be an idol. Anything that raises itself above the priority that is God becomes your idol. Our God is the person or thing that has the greatest power to determine who we are, why we're here, and what we should do, and what we're worth. Whatever God you look to, Listen to what it says. It says, has the greatest power to determine who we are. Whatever that God is to you. Who we are, why we're here, what we should do, and what we're worth. Our identity. What we see in us. If you see yourself as a loving husband, you're going to be a more loving husband. If you see yourself as a good dad with great patience, great sensitivity, you're going to be more patient and more sensitive. But if you see yourself as the way you saw your dad, and your identity is still connected with him, you will continue to act like him. You cannot expect something to be different than what you've been connected to unless you begin to identify with something else. I'm trying to help somebody today. You've got to connect with something else. I never want to be like my father. You are going to be exactly like him unless you identify differently than the way that you've always identified. And you've got to make a new God and you've got to bow your knee to the real God, to the true God, and say, my identity needs to come from you. No matter what I've been through, no matter what I've looked around at, I've got to get my identity from you. Because God is the only one that can see past our disadvantages, our disabilities, and our disqualifying factors to be able to see what is really on the inside of us. That's why God said to Gideon, God is with you, mighty warrior, as he's hiding in fear. Because God didn't call him according to his action. He called him according to what he put in him. It's a massive difference. See, this is, this is why I feel like our relationships always just are combustible. Is because our relationships usually come out of our own need instead of out of purpose. You know, if you connect with people, some of, some of my best friends are people that have connected to me over purpose. We're advancing the kingdom of God in an area. And some of the best people in my life are people that have connected over purpose. Your inner circle has to be people that provoke you and push you and propel you towards the things of God. Your inner circle cannot be people that pull you down. Your inner circle has to be people that push you up. We, we're good at telling our kids this, but we got to apply it into our own lives. Is the people that are our closest friends, the people that are inner circle. I don't care if you got chemistry with them or not. I don't care if they like all the same things you do as, or not, because that's how the world gets friends. Oh, you like the golf? I like the golf. I guess we can be friends. It's men for you. Softball, softball, friends, cool. Like, no, it's deeper than that. Purpose. 
purpose. Purpose is bigger than a hobby. Purpose is bigger than a leisure activity. Purpose is bigger than a vacation. Purpose is bigger than a mixed drink. Purpose is bigger than a date. Purpose is bigger than the things that we do. Purpose is kingdom. And kingdom is bigger than the culture that we live in. And it's something that we have to connect to. And something that we have to pursue together. And when we do, God begins to bring people into our path. And align people around. Connect us. Connect us. Connected. So, so pastor, like I'm, I'm single and I'm looking for, I'm looking to find my, don't be looking from the window. Don't be out there all needy and trying to fill a need. Find purpose. Single ladies in here, I'll just tell you this. Men really like seeing a driven woman. Let me just flip that for you. Girls, guys, women really like seeing a guy with a job. That's just... J-O-B, job. Like, man, I'll, I'll, get that, I'll get that job once I get that girl. No. Function over title. Function. We got to have function before we get title. If we want to operate in good relationships, not just romantic relationships, but friendships, children, legacy, then we have to begin. We have to begin to move every day towards purpose. Lord, I commit my way to you. Will you please direct my steps? I commit my path to you. Will you please direct my path? I give my life. My life. Well, pastor, I don't, I'm not a pastor like you. You're a Christian like me. You're a Christian like me. That, that, mean, that means we've got an assignment that is on our life. That means we've got purpose in us. So every day, it's committing that path to God and taking a step towards him. This is the progression. God gives us our identity. Identity gives us our purpose. Our purpose gives us our relationship. This is how this can, this is how this should be. And honestly, it should go in a circle. It should all be connected. Either way you go, God, identity, purpose, relationship, relationship, purpose, identity, God, all of this should connect together to move us forward. You know the people that I can just talk to all day are the people that are connected to my purpose. I, I can talk church. All day, all night. I can listen. This is no joke. I can listen to preaching for three days straight. I, for real. I can put. I, I, I can listen. I, I, I love listening to preaching. I love church. I can do church. I can do four-hour church services. No problem. I love it. I do. I love it. My wife's like, no. I can do. Like, I, I, in, I enjoy that. And so when I talk to people about the thing that I love, I can talk to them for hours. You wonder why you don't have chemistry with the people that you're trying to be friends with? Because the only thing that you connect over is that one hobby. But when you start giving your life to something, oh, you can talk all day. You feel connected. You never know who's really with you until you go through a fight with them. And when you fight for the same things, you link arms together and say, I can trust you. You can trust me. All right, let's, let's do this. You know what, what I think is just really interesting? In the book of Acts chapter 13, we see this key. Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says this about the life of David. It's talking about the life of David and what he did. And it says this, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, which means he died. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. And it goes on. But this scripture right here gives us a key to purpose. The key to purpose is David didn't die until he had no more purpose. It says, when he had fulfilled his purpose, then 
he fell asleep. And so I've got great news for someone in here that if you still got breath in your lungs, you still have got purpose for your life. If you've got breath, God's got purpose. If you've got breath, God's got purpose. If you can breathe this air, then God has a purpose for your life. Even if you're like David. David? A murderer, an adulterer, a cheater, a liar, even David? Yeah, yeah. Even David. If God could use David, he can use you. If God could give David a comeback after everything he did, surely you can come back from what you've been through. Well, I've broke a lot of relationships, Pastor. I've been married a lot of times. I've hurt a lot of people. I've been with a lot of people. Yeah, David did all kinds of crazy stuff. And God said, yeah, he's a man after my own heart. Because God has the unique ability to look past our past and into our future. He has the unique ability to look past our mistakes and to see our heart. That is why God could look at David and say, he's a man after my own heart. We can't do that. Like, oh, David, he's no, he is fooling you, God. That is not a man after you. If that's a man after your own heart, I'm wondering what your heart's like. Because this dude is jacked up. But God has the power that we don't have. The power to dissect. The power to move past mistakes. The power to move past things that we would totally judge and look down at. And he moves past them and he says, no, there it is. There's the heart. There's the heart I'm looking for. There's that heart beating with purpose. There's that little shepherd boy. There's that little warrior. Oh, man, there's that little 13-year-old warrior. I saw him there, and I knew he's going to be a king. I knew he's going to step up and be what I called. I knew. I knew. I knew because God put it in him. Your journey in life is not trying to find God. God's findable. The journey in life is trying to dissect you and find what God put in you to connect with your purpose and with identity, connects with purpose, connects with relationships. You can do damage to the kingdom of darkness and you can advance the kingdom of God. The church is going to advance when our relationships be not just common hobbies, but they be common purpose. When we get in the same fight together, we are going to do some damage. It's fun talking to people that are connected to your purpose. The Bible says this. It says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Some of you probably in this room, you felt like, man, I, I've asked God for that friend. I need somebody. I, I need somebody. to. It's just, I, there's nobody that I really connect with. There's nobody that. It's about eight years ago. I was doing, doing ministry. I was a youth pastor at that time. And movement was exploding. We were seeing hundreds of kids come. People get saved. It was radical. We were in that old building, slamming it out past fire code. And um, it, was, it was awesome. I mean, just kids getting saved every week. Just powerful. Parents coming in the back to watch their kids and parents getting saved. Kids dragging their friends in. And then their friends getting saved and bringing their friends next week and their friends getting saved. And then whole, I mean, like radical, radical stuff. But all the while that was going on, I felt kind of lonely. I just, I felt like other, my other pastor friends, I just didn't connect with that well. Like we're friends, but I, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like they got me. I don't know if you ever felt like that. Like, like, like you can hang with people, but it's just like, ah. 
just, it, something's missing. So I just put my head down. I said, I'm just going to run after the purpose. And just happened to have a speaker one time that I met, connected with. We kind of connected, started talking. Now he's become one of my best friends. We're walking in a relationship together. He's planting his church in September. Our church is helping plant their church. We're walking, and I, I've, multiple times I've said, man, that's just crazy. Like, no, no, nobody could, no, I can't talk church with anybody else like I can talk church with him because he just gets it. That person came out of purpose. And that's how God wants to bring your friendships. That's how God wants to bring your spouse. That's how God wants to bring people around your life is people that are born out of purpose. When David had fulfilled his purpose in his generation, then he fell asleep. So it doesn't matter if you're 90. It doesn't matter if you're 9. If you're breathing the air in this room, God has purpose. And if you would stop standing on the balcony and looking for people and put your head down in the battlefield and start running after purpose, the people will find you. Would you stand up with me? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.